You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Thank you, brother. Amen. Guard that sacrifice. Praise the Lord. That's right. Well, I've got a little something to say tonight as well. If you wouldn't mind, turn over to Colossians chapter number two. And uh, man, what a blessing. Amen. Abraham, the father of faith. And isn't that something? It, it, it's an amazing thing to me when people try to use the Old Testament and try to say that people were saved uh, by works in the Old Testament. And uh, you go back there and you look at the passage that Ryan shared with us tonight. Man, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And when the Lord wants to give us an example of faith and what it means to be saved by faith, in the book of Romans, uh, he goes to Abraham. And so uh, you're saved by faith no matter uh, what time or period that it may be. And uh, well, I just want to share a few things with you tonight, continuing our thoughts in, in the book of Colossians. And uh, I'm really excited about the thought of this, man. Uh, and I know we've been uh, going through these verses and really going through these words, which I don't often do, but I've just really felt led to do that. So if you would real quickly, look at me in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. I want to preach, uh, continuing the thought on keeping on keeping on making spiritual progress, but I want to preach on the thought of a river of revival for just the next few moments, a river of revival. The Bible says in verse 6 of Colossians 2, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving and the two words that we've been focusing on is really how well the colossians were doing they were fighting false doctrine but even in the midst of all that they were still doing well and the bible says that the reason why is that they were abiding in christ they were abiding in the word of god therefore they were abounding in the work of the lord as well and uh, we've looked at several of these you know about uh, the army the pilgrim the tree the building the student we looked at two weeks ago and uh, today I just want to look for a little bit about the river the river the word abounding there when you see the word abounding in verse number seven if you circle that word that that word makes you think of a river that's what it's meant to make you think of the word abounding was often used by the apostle Paul it suggests the picture not just of a river but of an overflowing river a rushing river the river in the Bible is a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. And I want to notice quickly how the, the Spirit of God and the Word of God work together because we need to be abiding in the Word as well as abiding in Christ. But uh, turn back uh, to the book of Ephesians with me for one moment. And an interesting thing about the book of Ephesians and Colossians is that they're, they're sister books uh, and they really follow some of the same themes uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse number 17 and I'll begin to read that 17 through 19 Ephesians 5 17 wherefore be not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns 
and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now keep those verses in mind, and then go over to Colossians 3.16 with me, if you would. Colossians 3.16, and it's up on the board as well here, but the Bible says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Now notice, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Isn't that interesting? So basically the same result that the Spirit of God produces, the Word of God produces. Because the Spirit of God and the Word of God work hand in hand. Now, think about this abounding picture. Think about the picture of a river. Uh, One of the ways that we can know that we are expanding and growing and and, and going on for God and abiding in Christ is that we will be abounding like a river. Anybody like the river? Uh, This time of year, man, people go crazy at the river, right? I mean, people love going to the river. And uh, it's an exciting thing. It's a refreshing thing uh, as we think about that. But in in a biblical sense, our first experience in the Lord is that of drinking the water of life when He puts a well of living water within each of us. Uh, If you remember, in the Gospel of John, Jesus met the woman at the well. And of course, she was trying to draw uh, physical water out of the well. But Jesus said that if you'll believe on me, that you'll have a well of water uh, on the inside of you springing up into everlasting life. And uh, man, how many of you are glad that you're saved? I mean, listen, you talk about thirst just for a moment. You cannot survive without water for very long. I mean, a very minimal amount of time. You must have water. You must have water to drink. And man, God gives us that picture of the dry and the thirstiness before we knew Christ, how we were thirsty and we needed something. We were parched and hallelujah. We may have been trying the things of this world, but man, when we got saved by the grace of God, we found found out what real refreshment and a real thirst quenching was when we met Christ as Savior. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior... I'm not trying to encourage you to become religious tonight or just to simply start coming to church. That'd be great. But what I'm trying to encourage you to do is to make sure that you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and you can find out about that. Uh, The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, Therefore with joy shall you draw out of the wells of salvation. But here's the cool thing. God put a well in her heart in, in the book, in Gospel of John, chapter number 4, just as He did with us. But pretty soon, that well became a river within her. You know why? Because she went and started telling everybody that would listen to her about what Jesus did in her life. Amen. And so, uh, so that, that it starts as a well, but then it should become a river of living water. At John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39... The Bible says, in that last day, or in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So uh, the belly there is, is a reference of the innermost being, of, from, 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 the, from the deepest parts of our souls, the Spirit of God would flow forth through our lives. 
Now, the last day that he's talking about here in these verses is the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. The last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, for seven days during the Feast of Tabernacles, the priest, well, this wasn't in the Old Testament, wasn't what God prescribed, but they just added a new tradition. And they would take a golden pitcher and the priest would march down to the pool of Siloam. And there would be a happy, this every morning at sunset for seven straight days, there'd be a happy procession of people that would go down singing, praising God. They would get water from the pool of Siloam and scoop it up in that pitcher. And they would, then they'd march back to the temple. And as they got back to the temple, it was pretty cool because the temple choir would then burst into what's called the great Hallel. Uh, the great Hallel, the great praise. And it was literally the singing of Psalm 113 through Psalm 118. They would sing those psalms uh, as they would come back with that pitcher of water. And included in those verses that they would sing was Psalm 114 verse 8, where the Bible says, "...which turned the rock into standing water, the flint into fountain of waters." So for seven days, but on the last day, they would omit the practice of going down and getting the water. But it was on that day that Jesus stood up and cried forth because He wanted everyone to hear Him. If any man thirst, see, I'm the water of life, and I will not only give you a drink, I will give you fountains in your heart and in, in your life. See, it's an interesting thing, people. Understand this, as many of you do, all the Old Testament symbols and pictures and types represent the Lord Jesus Christ, including all of the feast. Uh, some time ago, we preached about uh, the feast and how each feast represented the Lord Jesus Christ. The water that's being referred to, in that, that they're celebrating there, actually recognizes and points to the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, Jesus Christ! The water of life was standing in the midst of, their, of these people. Right there in the middle of all of them, he stood. And he cried aloud. They didn't know who he was. And isn't that the same today? People don't realize that Jesus Christ really is the answer. And that's part of our responsibility. But there he was right in their midst. And as they were pouring out that, that sparkling water, which symbolized the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus invited any who were thirsty to come to Him and drink. See, because Jesus knew something about these people. He knew these people who were so full of religious fervor. He knew that they would go back to their same old fears and foibles and failures. He knew that they were going back to a life that wasn't as exciting. After the enthusiasm of the moment had died, they would go back to their old way of life. In other words, he wanted them to have more than just a temple experience. He wanted them to have more than just a once a year feast where they could celebrate. He wanted them to have something lasting. Jesus knew what they needed was not to come to a service and get their cup full, but to become rivers of living water. And see, that's the picture going back to the Apostle Paul, abounding therewith with thanksgiving. Man, church isn't about coming and getting a little, uh, you know, a little refill or whatever. We, we get encouraged at church, and we ought to get encouraged at church. Uh, we ought to be, but we ought to not just be here to get encouraged. We also ought to be here to be an encouragement to other people. And by the way, 
Uh, you can come and not even hardly say a word. Some of you are more quiet. Some of you don't say a whole lot when you come in. But I want you to know you're a blessing when I see you coming in. Amen? I mean it. Uh, but, you're, we, we, but we don't come and just say, well, okay, i got to come and uh, I can't get by, you know, so I need this. Man, we ought to daily be, we ought to have a river uh, abounding. God wants our life to be abounding uh, as we go through this life. And it's not just for us, it's for the world around us. If you think about this, and that, that's why I titled tonight's message to be a river of revival. I'm not going to say all that I would like to say tonight i may continue some of this on sunday morning but i want to just give you a couple thoughts here number one the bible says jesus stood there going back to john chapter number seven when he says that jesus stood and cried and he said as the scripture hath said you know as the scripture hath said now when you study what you find out is that he's not referring to one particular scripture as he often did Had somebody asked me the other day, they said someone told them that we didn't need to be concerned about what the Old Testament said anymore. We just need what the New Testament says. Well, there's a bunch of problems with that, not the least of which being that such a large percentage of the Old Testament or of the New Testament is the Old Testament being quoted. So what do you do with that exactly? But in this particular instance, Jesus is talking, I believe, of a broad theme throughout the Old Testament. And... Uh, there, there's a number of these in the Old Testament, but I want in just the time that we have here tonight, I want to just quickly try to share two of these with you. Number one, one, I believe, illustrates the price of the river. The price of the river. Remember, as they came back on this feast, Jesus is standing there, watching there. He's on this last day. He had been watching uh, the feast, and he every day they would come back with that pitcher of water. Every day they would sing the Hallel, that Psalm 113 through Psalm 118, including the verse I shared with you earlier, Psalm 114 and uh, verse number 8, which turned the rock into standing water, the flint into fountains of waters. So one of the rivers that's typified in the Old Testament is when Israel drank from the life-giving stream that flowed from the riven rock. When, when Moses smote the rock and out came water. Enough water to satisfy some two and a half million people and their livestock and then some. That's the picture. So Christ offers those who believe in Him, believe on Him, an ever-flowing, never-failing, soul-satisfying, thirst-quenching inner supply of water. See, Jesus supplies that water. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 4, I had mentioned that all these things in the Old Testament being a representative of Jesus. So what, ain't that something, boys? You just go and you read the Old Testament and you're reading about Moses and it seems like an unusual story. And God tells Moses, you know, smite the rock, you know, hit the rock with your rod. And, and the rock, you know, then, then just big rivers flow out of the rock. And you're like, well, that's weird. It is, isn't it? Is it okay saying some of these things are weird? You don't see that every day. That's different. And God does it, and it's great, and it's wonderful, and we rejoice. But then you get over to the New Testament, and what you've what you got to pay attention for when you read the Old Testament, be looking for Jesus. Be on the lookout for Jesus, amen, because He's there. He's on every page somewhere, uh, as has often been said. 1 Corinthians 10, 4, the Bible says, And they did all drink of the same spiritual drink. 
For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now understand the the Bible's wording here. It's not literally saying that Christ transformed himself into a rock to be hit and supply water. It's just showing us that the rock was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as Moses smote that rock, So was our Lord smitten. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, He was smitten on the cross. Not for Himself, but for us. To provide life. Because that's what water really uh, is. With with, with no water, there's no life. To provide life for us, Jesus gave His own life. He was smitten on the cross for you and for me. He He returned to His home on high... And He sent the Holy Spirit of God to take His place here on this earth. The Holy Spirit filled the disciples. And on the day of Pentecost, the rivers began to flow. Thousands were saved. That ever-flowing river is still flowing today. Those who come to Christ are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God who is abundantly able to fill them and pour out His blessings to others. Is that good? So, I mean, He he satisfies us. I mean, that river is still flowing. I'm I'm glad that we don't have to be uh, trying to ration the river. Amen? Not sure if we've got enough to share with everybody. Folks, I'm telling you what, the river is still satisfying the people of God, but it it need not just be about us. One of the marks of this modern age and things that fall under Christianity is it's all about me. All about how I can be blessed. And if I'm not getting blessed, well, I need to find a way to get blessed because this isn't blessing me. And there's this uh, idea. But it's not just all about us, amen? Uh, I want to say the price of the river. Then I just want to say quickly and lastly, the pouring forth of the river. So I mentioned, as Jesus said, as the Scripture hath said, there's, an, there's imagery throughout the Old Testament about the rivers. One of them is found in, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 47. And I want to turn over there just real quickly as uh, we share these verses with you this evening. Ezekiel 47. And it's a bit of an unusual passage, and I'm not going to preach the whole thing. But basically, in, in Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel has this vision... And the Bible says in 47 verse 1, Afterward he brought me again unto the door of the house, and and behold, the waters issued from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. And if you begin to read, you'll find out in verse 3, this water began to flow, but it began to rise. And then the Bible says in verse 4, Again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. And he measured a thousand and brought me again, and the waters were to the loins. Afterward he measured, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. Folks, here it is. Just bear with me just for a moment on this last point. The price of the river was a smitten rock, but the pouring forth of the river. There's an interesting thing, and I would encourage you to do this when you study your Bible. Study when the Bible talks about directions. 
There's a significance oftentimes to directions. And there's a definite uh, significance to east and west when you study the Bible. And normally when you find somebody traveling east, you find somebody with their back toward God heading away from the temple. But if you find somebody heading west, you find somebody normally heading to God, back to the Lord. If there's their directions given, it's interesting. Or if you can just look up the towns and see. Now, why is that significant? Because, for one thing, the tabernacle was opened facing the east. These waters were flowing east. So that eastward direction, the eastward direction is the turn, is it not, of the world, as it were, against the sun. The sun's moving this way as our world moves this way. It's just typical of the world system that moves against the Son of God. But you know what? God has the door open to the world. And these waters in, in Ezekiel are flowing toward the world. Because God so loved the world, amen? It doesn't matter in sin and rebellion and everything else. This river flows. Now, there's some cool things here. Number one, in Ezekiel, the water is flowing from the temple. Now, help me real quick here. Where is the New Testament temple? Where's the New Testament temple? Amen. That's right. It's right here. Right here. Right there. Kinley, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're the temple of God, Eric. I mean, we're, we're the temple of God. All right? I mean, and, and, and the Bible, you know, emphasizes that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. The Apostle Paul says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? The Bible goes on to say, for you're bought with a price. We're the temple of God. In Ezekiel 47, the waters are flowing from the temple to the world. Now there's some great things to say about a river, and again, I told you I wouldn't cover it all tonight, but I want to say a few things about it. Number one, I want to say that there should be a river of revival that's flowing through us. A genuine uh, Holy Spirit control of our lives where the water of revival flows out of us and gets, just like in the book of Ezekiel there, it kept getting wider, it kept getting deeper. See, we're, we've been given a, we were given a well when we got saved, but when we start allowing some of that water and share those blessings with other people, the more we put out, the more God pours in. Amen. And the, more, and the more that goes out, the more... Listen, you know, I'll tell you, there's all kinds of things about a river. Uh, but one thing about a river is a river isn't too greedy, man. A river just goes and gives. A river just goes and gives. Uh, you know, you can't stop a river. You say, well, you sure can. You can dam a river up. Well, try to dam that river up without letting some of that water through. See what happens. Uh, you can't stop a river. So, you know, somebody did say, though, because the thing about the river that's being talked about in the Bible, it has no tributaries. You know, like every other river pretty much has. It has tributaries that, that, that aids and assist it into becoming a greater river as it goes. But someone said that you can stop a river only at its source. Only at its source. Now, you may argue that from a... Uh, you know, physical perspective, but from a spiritual perspective, I want you to know something. There's only one person in here tonight who can rob the Holy Spirit of God from flowing out of your temple. And it's you. It can only be stopped at the source. Nobody can do it. 
Oh, well, my parents, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so, you know, think about this, folks. I mean, because I'm talking about this abounding. When I talk about the abounding life, when I talk about success, I talk about success, I talk about the abundant life. Let me tell you something. For a lot of people, that abundant life, especially for some of our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, some of our brothers and sisters in China, North Korea, that abundant life sometimes is a very short, torturous, painful life. But they've got the joy of the Holy Ghost of God, and they're, they're winning oftentimes their captors to Christ. Other times they're not. Man, I'm not talking about things being smooth and easy here, okay? But I'm just saying being what God would have us to be. There's a river. It can only be stopped at its source. All right, I want to try to give you the, the, these three quick points before we go. And here's what I'll, all I want to say. Thinking about where the rivers of water flow. Notice quickly in verse number 8 of Ezekiel 47. And I know, uh, I hope you had time to turn over there. But Ezekiel 47 verse 8. The Bible says, Then he said unto me, These waters issue out toward the east country and go down. They go down. Now where does a river automatically flow? Down. Let me tell you something about the river, folks. The river flows down to depressed places. <laughs> Man, depressed places. The river goes down. Folks, I'm telling you where the Holy Spirit of God needs to be working in our heart to a world, to lost people around us. How many of you know there's a bunch of people that are down around us? Have you, I mean, listen, some of you have been saved for a number of years. Some of you haven't been saved maybe that long, but you're learning to look at the world through God's perspective and through a biblical lens. Can you imagine not having that? Folks, there's some depressed people. There's people around us, and it ought to break our hearts, man, that there's, there's depressed people around us. And I'm not just, and I know that there could be depressed people among us. Don't misunderstand me. The point is, the water goes down. We live in a land where there's people who are sick, out of work, wayward children, broken homes. Now, again, that can classify people that are saved too. But the difference is, at least we've got a biblical perspective. At least we have hope. At least we're praying. At least we're believing God. Man, I tell you, there's some people in some depressed places. This water needs to be flowing out toward the world. This supernatural river needs to flow out of us into these depressed places so that we can be, uh, provide some thirst to somebody out there today. And by the way, aren't you glad that somebody let the river of God flow through them, the Spirit of God work through them to come to where you were? Amen? Because I'm telling you, the way, that you were, the way that you and I come to Christ, I don't know who you are, and I don't know your testimony, but I'm telling you, I, could, I can promise you, I feel like almost assuredly, that the way you come to Christ is because the river of God flowed through someone to come into your life. Amen. I mean, I mean listen, so, so quickly, the river flows to depressed places. Not only that, but also in verse number 8, if we continue to read there, the Bible says that goes down... But it goes this, down into the desert. Down into the desert. The Bible says in Psalm 107 verse 35, He turneth the wilderness into a standing water and a dry ground into water springs. Oh, oh man, listen. He's talking there about that Judean desert. Not much grows in that desert. There's no real significant fruitfulness in that desert. Folks, there's many people that are living desert lives, dry, parched. They don't know the joy that you and I know. 
They don't know the joy unspeakable and full of glory. They don't know the answers to life that we have. There's people, listen, but the river needs to be flowing to depressed places. The river needs to be flowing to desert places. Do you see depressed people around you? Do you see dry people around you? Hey, don't, don't, don't judge these people because of their rotten attitudes, their rotten lives, their rotten mouths and all that. They don't know Christ. And they need to see something in you. I won't be able to talk much about it tonight, but man, the, the, the Bible talks about the trees that would line the river, uh, that, that, that would, you come up through the desert dry, but along the, 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 the river there would be trees. Strong trees. You know what that is? That's what we need to be in this world. We need to be standing out. We need to be showing people. We need to be offering life to people through the Holy Spirit of God working through our lives. So the Bible says the river flows down. The Bible says that river flows into the desert. And the Bible says that river goes into the sea. Goes into the sea. See, the river flows into, I mean, it flows into desert places. It flows to depressed places. But it flows to deadly places. The sea that's being referred to there is the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea. Man, do you realize there's people all around us that are dead in their sins? Man, I appreciate Ralph testifying. Because you know what I was thinking about tonight? As Ralph was talking about being able to witness that. You know where the river was flowing this week? It found a depressed, dry place. It found a deadly place. But there it flowed in Sioux City. And there this man had a chance to see what that refreshing water might be like. There that man had a chance to see a tree that was standing tall in the midst of the desert because it had an, a hidden source. And there's so much we could say. But I'm telling you, folks, may God help you and I, man, to rejoice in the price of the river, but may God help us to allow the purpose of that river, the outpouring of that river. In other words, look and see someone around you. The Bible says that people are lost and dead in their sins. And you know what death really is? The real meaning of death is separation. So when we say somebody's spiritually dead... It simply means, well, let me say this. When we say somebody's physically dead, what has happened to that person is their soul has been separated from their bodies. And you are not dead until your soul is separated from your body. That's when a person is actually dead. And when a person is spiritually dead is when they are separated from God. And I'm telling you, the Bible says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Thank God! that this river began to flow some 2,000 years ago. And through the ages, it, it flowed. And it, it's, 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 the Holy Spirit has worked through the lives of, of the people that got a drink from that well and, and then began to let the Holy Spirit of God work through their lives to reach other people in the depressed and the dry and the deadly places. Because one day there was a preacher that had got a drink that was ready to get me a drink, amen? It's an awesome thing. That, that woman at the well, I mean, listen, she, she all of a sudden, it's a cool thing. You remember what she did? She just left her bucket there. She found the answer. She found, what she, she found who she had been looking for, and she just set out to try to tell some other people. Amen? Uh, I, I, I got to tell this, uh, this story, and I'll be done. But 
I remember years ago, one of the very first messages, we're coming up on our 10th anniversary, uh, one, of the, one of the earlier messages I preached was a message about the woman at the well. And I had talked about how that, you know, the woman at the well and, you know, and how that she uh, got a thirst and a desire to go reach those other people. Well, cool thing was, is there was, uh, among the other people that were there listening, uh, Nancy Oswalt, she just recently went to be with the Lord uh, uh, within the last year, uh, and Rachel, if you'll remember Rachel, well, they heard that message, and they thought, okay, well, that's, that sounds good. But they didn't just say, well, boy, that was a nice message. You know what they did? We still had door hangers left over from where we had gone around and uh, uh, we'd put door hangers on every door uh, with the help of Eastside Baptist Church Youth Group, door hangers on every door in Elk Point, every door in Jefferson. And they said, well, did you get Burbank and did you get um, uh, Richland? You know, just little, little few houses here north of town. Uh, no, we didn't get those. So I got a call that afternoon, and I'm telling you, it was 100. I mean, it, I literally think with heat index, it was over 100 degrees. And both of these ladies were up in their, their years. They heard that message. So you know what they did? They had got a drink that morning. And so what they spent their afternoon doing was going over to Burbank and putting out those door hangers and inviting people to church. And then they went up to Richland, and they did the same exact thing up there. I get a call from Rachel, Pastor, do you have any more of those? Amen. See, the water just flows, amen. And so here's the thing, though. What happens, what happens with, when, with water when it just stands? What matters, any, any of you ladies, any of you men, you know what happens when you get a sponge? Maybe, maybe you use some sort of sponge to, to, to wash the dishes and to wash up and, and, you, and, and you wash with that sponge and then you just sit it up on the, the, the edge of the sink or whatever. Maybe you just leave it down in the sink. See, what, what a sponge does is a sponge will, it'll, it'll soak, but then it'll sit, then it'll sour. It's just like old standing water. You ever, wanna, you ever just see some standing water and just want to go get a drink of it? These little things swimming around in there, you know, and just all nasty and everything. It's stagnant because it's not moving. See, and what some of us do is we just take in and take in and soak up and soak up, but we're not finding an outlet. We're not finding a place to say, you know what, I want to share Jesus with you. I want to share my blessings. I, I want to serve in some way to help somebody else come to Christ. I want to I share my blessings, and I'm telling you, the more we give out, the more Jesus puts in. But when we just start soaking it all up and not sharing it, man, I'm telling you, we're not only hurting those around us, which we are, we're also hurting ourselves and robbing ourselves of blessings. Amen? So, river of revival. Let's all stand. Kim, you could come play something softly on the piano. Lord, I sure do thank you, dear God, for your faithfulness and blessings. I thank you, God, for giving me a drink, Lord. Lord, it's been quite a few years ago now, Lord, but praise God, I... I've got a, a thirst that's quenched, dear Lord, but at the same time, Lord, I want more. Will you help me, dear God, to let the river of the Holy Ghost of God flow from my inner being for someone else? God, would you help each person? I thank you for the others in this church to do the same thing. God, help us not just to sit and soak and sour. We get so worried about our own problems, we forget there's a 
lost and dying world going to hell. The population in the United States of people that attend church or think of God at all are, is decreasing so rapidly. Now, we can't do nothing about the vast population, but God, maybe we can do something about our friend. Maybe we can do something about that neighbor. Maybe we can do about, something about that coworker. Maybe somebody at, that, at the convenience store, at McDonald's, wherever it is, Lord, to have, some, to have a smile, to have joy, to have peace. For people to think, what are they drinking? Lord, help us, dear Lord. Help me, dear God. I don't want to preach to others to become a castaway, Lord. Help us, dear God, we love you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, amen. You are dismissed. Thanks for your patience.